0: I'm George, and you're listening to Future Mix Podcast. I'm a musician, teacher, and producer, and this podcast brings you right into the world of making music with the artists of the future. Sebastian Winter is an exciting young composer from Hamburg, Germany. He studied in London at Trinity Labon, in Manchester at the Royal Northern College of Music, and is currently studying at the Juilliard School in New York for a master's degree under Professor John Coroliano. In 2017, Sebastian interned at Hans Zimmer's studio, Remote Control Productions in Santa Monica, California. Over the next couple of years, Sebastian assisted David Crystal on the orchestrations for both movies Hellboy 2018 and Hostile Planet 2019, composed by Ben Wolfish. Currently, Sebastian is collaborating with the architects, designers and master planner Daniel Libeskind of the new World Trade Center site in New York City. He chose to compose a symphony about the redevelopment of the World Trade Center buildings. As a colleague, I've worked with Sebastian a few times and it's always fantastic. We recently collaborated on a short project for his master's degree, which we'll get into a little later. I caught up with Sebastian on the phone. He is after all in New York while I'm just outside London back in England. I hope you enjoy our chat. How is New York? I am many thousand miles away and I have no concept of what it's like there.
1: Um, It's absolutely great, obviously. it's very different at the moment because the restaurants are closed, everything's closed, but um, the vibe is still there. If you go on the street, you feel like you're in New York. It's, it's amazing. But right now it's very cold, it's about to snow tomorrow, so I'm very much looking forward to spring.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> As someone who's lived in Germany, the UK and the US, where's your favorite place in terms of like comfort and also music?
1: Um, the States, absolutely. Well, first of all, if we just talked about the weather, I love that we actually have seasons here. While over there in Germany, as well as in the UK, sometimes it's hard to differentiate between summer weather and winter weather. And that's amazing out here that you actually freeze in the winter and you actually sweat in summer. But in terms of music, also the US, because there's just so many opportunities, so many people you can collaborate with, um, so many open-minded people that are happy to To set up performances, set up projects that I don't think are possible to that scale in Germany or even the UK.
0: That's very interesting. Maybe I should hop across the Atlantic then, because
1: come over (laughs) sounds
0: great. It sounds great. So, how's your last year been? Has it been quieter than usual because of the kind of you know the situation, or have you found it because you're studying at the Juilliard now that you are kind of just you've got work left, right, and center, and you're really swamped.
1: I feel that as a composer I'm very lucky in terms of I can I can compose without leaving my home. So for me it was even easier to actually focus on my craft, focus on my music um, than it was before because it's just less distractions, but it's it's really hard composing for the concert stage if you don't know when you will be able to enter that concert hall the next time. And it's it's very hard to collaborate with with artists in in any performance-given field without knowing when this performance is going to happen and if it's going to happen. So I feel I've been very lucky in, in many regards, and but I'm very much looking forward to things to return back to normal.
0: Absolutely, me too. <laughs> you mentioned collaboration there just a second ago. Yeah. And it reminded me of the little bit of collaboration that we did not too long ago. Right. As a little bit of a, it was a college project, wasn't it?
1: Yes. So that was a project that I did for my class, um, scoring for picture. And it was the the trailer for the for the film Tron that that I scored and that we collaborated on together. And that was a very, very interesting project and a very cool collaboration with you.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of fun, actually. I think when you first sent over the, the audio, I think it was just your demo. And I, I put it on my big speakers and I was like, wow, this is so sick. Like, I just want to get <laughs> out and jam to this straight away but i didn't That's have so cool. the kind of yeah i didn't have the kind of setup here to do what i wanted to do so i had to wait and get an electric drum kit and that was kind of what what linked us basically was essentially midi wasn't it because we had this yeah. ability to for me to just tap silently on electric drums or like a roland pad for me that was quite new i hadn't done much stuff like that in the past is this the way that composers do things nowadays
1: I think it's very depending on who you're collaborating with because there's still many performers out there who actually don't own a door or don't know how to use a door. But especially this year, um, I think many people realized how useful it can be if you, if you are stranded at home for, for a little while and you still want to collaborate with people. It can be an amazing tool to, to connect you to composers, to connect you to other performers. For example, in my collaboration yeah, with you this time or with, um, with Jonah, who's a vocalist as well as a um, guitarist, an amazing musician. Mm. Um, what, what I would usually do is I would sketch down my ideas using MIDI and sometimes just using a, a voice recording, um, send over the, the session so that it's as little work as possible for you. And you can just open the project and record straight into it with the right tempo, with the right time signatures. And yeah, ideally you, you send me back the recordings like you did. You sent me, I think the MIDI as well as the audio files, which was fantastic. That gives me the most amount of flexibility when I edit the audio on my end again.
0: If people listen to this track that we created, right, they'll have heard an incredible mix of symphony orchestra, electric guitar, acoustic drums, and really deep, heavy synthesizers and subs and everything. Yeah, and they might be thinking, did that all come from inside your computer?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess except for the for the guitar recordings as well as the drum recordings, everything else happened inside my computer. Yeah,
0: these are basically really, really powerful sample libraries at your disposal. I mean, can you talk me through? Some of these libraries and how they're so useful for you
1: yeah absolutely i think i'm a big um big believer in the spitfire audio libraries which are absolutely useful and well rather affordable i think for what you get i use a few native instruments libraries um, heavyosity and i've been very lucky that over the recent years i was able to to collect many sample libraries and and build up my own sample orchestra which gives me the maximum amount of flexibility
0: that's very interesting so it's all about in your case like a vast array of sounds at your disposal
1: yeah absolutely but but to be honest what's been most valuable for me is just talking to other musicians um even if it's if it's a sound designer or if it's an actual performer and asking hey how how would you go about this sound it's having conversations having inspiring um inspiring idea exchange and, and then creating the sounds that you desire to create.
0: Talk me through what your first impression was of the Tron trailer when you saw it. Did you think this needs a drum kit or were you kind of a bit more tentative?
1: I think the first thought I had was this needs a strong beat and a symphony orchestra. That was my very first thought. I want symphony orchestra because I want these huge, huge forces and I also want a very strong beat. And I think that choosing the drum kit especially when you said that you would be up for collaboration Um, that was then the obvious choice because i I always love um, collaborating with my friends because i feel the second i collaborate with my friends i actually build on these friendships these friendships hugely influence my art and i think nothing's more inspiring than that so if i get to collaborate with you and with jonah and with other people on my tracks this is actually the most amazing thing that I can imagine doing. Once you said that, that you would be happy to be on the track, choosing the drums was a very, very obvious choice just because I loved the idea of us working on this together. It doesn't feel like that the drum kit is serving the orchestra, it feels the other way around. I think that the drum kit is, is in the center of the piece, in our piece, and that the orchestra was built around the drum kit and is serving the drum kit. And I think that's what makes our piece very special in a way.
0: Outside of the, the rhythm section, what's your favorite section of orchestra to write for, would you say?
1: I love writing for woodwinds. I absolutely love the um, the color that you can create in a, in a symphonic piece.
0: I don't know why, but I just assume that people jump to upper strings or lower brass or something like that i genuinely did i don't know why i genuinely didn't expect you to say woodwind so that kind of took me off guard but that's very interesting right I,
1: I i think especially in the in the world of film music many people love to jump to brass and to strings because well one they are very well sampled and i think a lot easier to make sound realistic than woodwinds are and two it's in general i think it's just much more time consuming to write very delicate woodwind parts than it would be to write um, a very rhythmically heavy string or brass section. Anybody can buy all the Spitfire libraries, all the native instrument libraries, but nobody can record the exact thing that you are recording. Nobody can record, let's say I'm sampling you on the drums or I'm sampling Jonah's voice or I'm sampling another friend who's playing the cello. Nobody has these exact recordings that I have. So they become not only part of my sample collection, but they also become part of my very unique sound as a composer because nobody else can access those sounds. So I think that's a very important part of developing as a composer to build up an own set of sample libraries
0: yeah that's a good point actually i think if you've got the kind of organic sounds like the earliest possible point you can get something truly organic and new right then you're much more likely further down the line to end up with a sound that is unique in some way or strikes a note with a new
1: audience exactly
0: You interned at Hans Zimmer's studio back in 2017. Yeah, that's right. Tell me about that because I really want to hear about his place.
1: (laughs) It was super cool and very, very impressive. Hans actually wasn't at the studio when I interned over there Um, he was on tour. But I think that was actually an advantage for me in terms of getting to know all the people that actually work at the studios. Um, because they they had a lot of time to actually speak to me and let me sit in on sessions and teach me how they do things and for me to actually build relationships with these people. So it's been an amazing five weeks, I think it was, just learning, watching from from the best in their fields. One highlight for me was sitting in with Alan Meyerson, the recording engineer, observing what he does, how he talks about music, um, how he listens to music, and how he alters the sound that he hears. Other highlights would be just sitting in with Jacob Shea, who's the composer for the Planet Earth and the Blue Planet score for Bleeding Fingers Music. Just observing the sheer pace of their work, if you write about 40 to 45 minutes of score a day, that's a massive amount of music that you're writing. And you're supposed to be original at the same time. And I think that that was the most impressive thing for me as a even younger composer four years ago, just watching these incredibly creative minds create new content in, in a very, very short amount of time. Wow.
0: Yeah, that's incredible pace that you were just saying there. Yeah. Absolutely. Is that daunting? Did you feel daunted when you saw the speed and the complexity of what they were doing? Did you think, oh my God? Or did you did it really kind of motivate you to 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 think, yes, I can do this?
1: Well, it's funny because at the beginning I did feel daunted. I thought, wow, I don't think I can ever do that because I think way too much about what I'm writing and how can I write this and I had no idea how to do that and then i talked to them about it i was like hey is that the speed that i have to to work at and they said no you know what You're, you're still very young don't think about speed just yet Think about your technique, think about your craft, think about the music that you want to write and write it, no matter how long it takes. Because the second time you write it, the third time you you write it, it's going to be much faster already. And that's actually a very, um, very useful thought process in terms of both film music as well as concert music. For my first symphony orchestra piece that I wrote also in 2017, which was seven minutes long, it took me half a year to write that piece. Three years later, I wrote a five minute orchestral piece in a matter of three weeks. So it's just a massive progress of, of writing in a very short amount of time. And I think that you can apply that to anything, learning a new piece if you're a performer or composing a piece if you're a composer.
0: No, that totally makes sense. So it's it's very much a case of having to practice composition, having to yes. get used to starting from absolutely nowhere.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think thinking about it in, in terms of practicing composing is very helpful. It's literally like practicing an instrument. You have to put in the hours every single day. You have to put your mind to it 100%. It's not some, not that you're waiting for creativity or inspiration to strike and then you start writing. No, you should actually have the technique when creativity comes your way. And in order to to build up the technique, you have to compose, you have to practice composing. So yeah, I think that's it's a very good way of putting it.
0: One of those topics that has cropped up quite a lot is inspiration. Yeah. And I think that's gonna be a big topic when it comes to a composer like yourself. <laughs> not only a composer who composes symphonies, but is also doing work, as we talked about before, to uh, visual media, right. to movies, to trailers. right? What is that kind of thing that kickstarts inspiration for you, especially when you're working with something without a video or picture yet?
1: Um, for me, it's limitation. You, you have to limit what you're doing, the forces that you're using, the amount of time that you have, per- perhaps even the time that you have available to you to compose the whole thing. I think it's just very important sometimes to keep pushing it, to move forward and to just... Keep developing what you've composed. So I think limitation is a very important aspect. If you talk about the concert world, then I think these limitations could be the amount of instruments you can use, perhaps even the amount of pitches that you can use. If you say you want to write a piece that only has five pitches, or that is at the tempo crotchet equals 60, or... Any, any of those kinds of limits, this can actually kickstart inspiration because now you have to throw out the old thought pattern that you had before and you have to be creative in terms of creating a new sound. Say you only have a contrabassoon and a contrabass at your exposal and now you, and now you have to compose a piece that's seven minutes in length and you're only allowed to use the pitches C, D, E and F. <laughs> now, you have to be creative what you do with these pitches And now you have to think about what you're doing in a whole other way than before.
0: That's a very good point. So, do you ever find that when you're sat down on a logic or Cubase, that sometimes you are overwhelmed with the possibilities that are in front of you? In yeah, terms totally. Totally. Sample libraries and stuff.
1: Yeah. So, for me, it's very important to actually think about what I want to write before I start writing it. I want to have a clear idea of what I want to do before I start working on it in order to not get overwhelmed and to get blocked by all these many, many possibilities that, that we have, especially with this amazing technology that we have at our disposal nowadays.
0: Thanks for supporting Future Mix podcast. We're gonna take a quick break from Sebastian's chat. I just wanted to remind you all about my Patreon page. You can find loads of behind the scenes content there from cut scenes to my reflections on the whole episode and even high quality downloads of every single episode. We record everything as WAV files and include all the high quality stems so it's a shame to just get the compressed mp3 version. There's loads of extra goodies in there too, for example last week's drop had a batch of really great drum samples and synth patches so go ahead and check it out. I'll leave it in the description. Anyway, back to my chat with Sebastian.
1: About three years ago, I had the idea to write a piece on the new World Trade Center here in New York. And shortly after having this idea, I contacted the New York Times bestselling author Judith Dupre, who wrote the biography of the building. And I introduced the idea to her that maybe we could collaborate on a symphony about the World Trade Center. And I asked if she would like to be a mentor to this project. And she replied to me within a few hours and said, hey, I would absolutely love that. That's a great idea. Let's keep in touch. So within the following year, um, we developed a very close relationship to each other. We are super, super close now. She has definitely become a mentor, not only to this project, but to my life. I go to her with anything that I want to talk about. She's been a, a great guide. So she has started to introduce me to the architects and the master planner, the designers of the building. And it's been an amazing experience to, to speak to them. I think the first person I met up with was the senior designer, Jeff Holmes. And I've been talking to him about the process of, of developing this building. And after that, I met with the master planner, Daniel Liebeskind, who's created the master plan for the World Trade Center site. I spoke to Michael Arad, who's been the architect on the memorial pools with David Childs, the architect of One World Trade Center, with Philip Hedema, who is the experienced designer of the One World Observatory. And all of these conversations have been so inspiring i realized that i don't actually want to write a piece about the building i want to write a piece about the development of the building because the stories behind this building are so much more fascinating than the building itself so i started collaborating with the with the architects and master planners of the site and it's been a very interesting experience i've written two orchestral sketches that were both performed in manchester and both of them are about five to seven minutes long and i've sent them to the architects and master planners and i asked Asked them, hey, can I please have your feedback? Which parts of these sketches can you connect with? Which parts of these pieces can you maybe not connect with? And that's how I tried to come up with material and to collaborate with them and try to make their voices heard in my music. So about a year later, I, I had the idea, hey, I could perhaps try to contact John Corleano, who's now my teacher at Juilliard, because he wrote the piece One Sweet Morning, which commemorated the 10th anniversary of 9-11. And I would love to speak to him about it, especially because he's very big on musical architecture. So his passion is in creating an architecture for any given piece that he writes well before he starts writing the piece. So he knows where in the piece is going to be the, the climax, what, what's going to happen at 150. He knows everything that happens in the piece. He really creates an architecture for the whole piece that he's about to write. And I thought, hey, that would be actually a great idea to speak to John Corleano about my piece. So I got to meet with him. We connected. We stayed in touch. And all of these amazing conversations I've had with the architects, with Judith, with the master planners, with John Corleano, these conversations have hugely influenced me as a person, as a composer. And and this project has been probably the biggest project of my life so far, because I've mm. been working on this for three years. Now, since I've started at Juilliard, I've been writing the actual symphony under John Corleano's guidance. And the piece will be probably about 25 minutes in length after all.
0: Wow, that's a really great story. Thanks for sharing. And it's really amazing to hear the kind of things you've done of your own initiative, and that you are now writing a symphony under the guidance of John Carigliano, who wrote the piece to commemorate the 10th anniversary of the attacks. So it has a really nice kind of ending, this story.
1: And I think just to get back to the beginning of our conversation, when you asked me why I would choose the United States, I think these opportunities and the open-mindedness of people in the United States is extremely unique. The fact that I got in touch with a New York Times bestselling author in a matter of hours, the fact that the architects of the most important buildings of this country have taken the many, many hours out of their lives to talk to me is is just absolutely unique to this country. The fact that very well established architects, the best architects in the world took the time to speak to a student composer who hasn't even had his bachelor's degree at this point, who started composing less than five years before they met for a conversation. This is just a story that I can't imagine happening anywhere else.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me. Awesome. All the best for the rest of this year.
1: Thank you so much. I wish you the same.